morning, church. How are you? Have you ever uh, trusted completely in Jesus and really seen for your own eyes for the first time that there really is honey in the rock? You ever done that, church? He's good. He's really, really good. My name is Luke, one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. We don't normally do this. I don't normally single people out. But the guy that you saw standing right here playing the guitar, his name is Doug Curtis. Everybody say, hey, Doug. Doug and Sherry Curtis, they were camp superintendents at Bog Springs for 29 years. If you know anything about Bog Springs, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's a special place in my heart. If you know anything about that place, it's a, it's a church camp, okay? I think you picked up on that. Um, but as a 13-year-old kid, I trusted in Jesus at Bog Springs under Doug's leadership. In all these years, I get to preach to him now, right? Man, isn't life crazy? We're thankful for Doug. Uh, he and his wife uh, just moved back to the area and jumped in here at Holland Chapel, and we're thankful to have them. Uh, but I'm glad that you're here this morning. I've got a couple things I want to go over before we get to the message. Um, God has been bringing a lot of people to Holland Chapel. I want you to look around the room. This is first service on Youth uh, Deer Hunt weekend. Look around. There's a lot of us in here. Uh, and a lot of people uh, that you may not know and that we may not know as pastors here. Um, because there's two services and both of them are full and God's doing uh, mighty work here. Uh, what I want to ask of our pastors, elders, if you're here this morning, after church is over, we're going to be out front. And what I want to do there, if I don't know you, if I don't know your name, we, we haven't like met, I want you to just walk up to me and embrace the awkward, walk up to any of the pastors, say, hi, my name is blank. And then I'll say, hi, I'm Luke. Nice to meet you. We want to get to know you. And if you've been around a Holland Chapel for any amount of time and you're seeing all these new faces, I want to encourage you, before service, you can get out of your seat, you can go over to somebody and you can say, hi, my name is blank. You can introduce yourself to people. We need to get to know one another around here at Holland Chapel. Aren't you thankful for what the Lord is doing here, church? Man, it's good. Uh, it's good. And uh, another thing, I get advice about sermons, about preaching uh, all the time. I think it's, I think it's a big part of, of growth for anything that you do is allow people to speak into your life. And, and I have this one uh, a critic, if you will. Um, she just had a birthday, and she's six years old, okay? Um, and every Saturday night, uh, I took her into bed, and then before I leave the room, she's like, hey, Dad, um, I, I want to tell you something about your preaching. I said, okay, great. I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, she said, this was two weeks ago, she said, Dad, um, I want you to preach what is right. I thought, wow, that's profound for somebody that loves Bluey. Okay, <laughs> preach what is right. And then she said, I really want you to be funny. And I said, I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. Last night, uh, I tucked her in and I was walking out. She said, hey, Dad. I want you to, uh, to tell you something about preaching. Uh, she left out the preach what is right part, but she made sure to include, you got to be funny, Dad. You got to be funny. And I, was, I didn't have the heart to tell her, but I, I, I was thinking walking out the room, sweetheart, if you only knew today, we are talking about money. <laughs> that Daddy has no jokes built into this message. I'm sorry, church. At, at random, you can just laugh. I don't know. Because today uh, is one of those topics that might be a little... Uh, ugh, tough to find humor in. But this morning, we're in our sermon series called Generosity. Last week, if you were here, uh, you know that we, we set up this thought that if you are changed by the gospel, 
then you will be compelled by the love of Christ. And the love of Christ will motivate us, will move us, will change our generosity. We'll then step into generous living. All forms of generosity, whether it be your time, your energy, your money, you name it. Like when the love of Christ gets a hold of your heart, it changes you. And this week, we're, we're going to dive into it, church. It's the nitty grit. We're here that generosity will change your wallet. The, uh, generosity will change what you do with your finances. And, and so today, we're, we're going to talk, talk about money. We're going to talk about how uh, God wants us to manage our money. What does He want out of us as His church? But here's what happens when, when our giving is motivated by grace, not guilt. Because like we, we, we talked about, man, it's the love of Christ that changes us, that, that molds us, that shapes us into His image. Here's what happens when our hearts are changed by the gospel. Here's what happens to our giving. We begin to give faithfully, consistently. Like we, 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 we want to give. And then we'll, we'll give generously. Not only will we give what's required, we'll, we'll go above and beyond that. And then we'll start to give sacrificially. That means our lives, our, our, our money, our stewardship of our finances will, will take shape and show that God's most important. That's what happens when your, your heart has been changed by the gospel. So yes, church, ultimately, when we place our faith in Jesus, generosity will change our wallet. It'll change our wallet. Our motives, however, church, in giving matters way more than the amounts given. You hear that? The motives behind why we give matters way more than a dollar amount that we give. God is after your heart. Hear me out. Last week we set this up that He does not need money. God does not need anything that we have. It's all His anyway. God is after your heart. He wants to transform you into the image of Christ. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 and 3. What I want you to do, uh, uh, hopefully you picked up on it last week, but I want you to read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, the chapters 8 and 9. I want you to read those and see what Paul has to say about giving. But 2 Corinthians 8, 2 and 3, this is what he says. He says, they are being tested by many troubles. He's talking about a, a church in another area. He said, they're being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor. If you've been to the grocery store and you've got multiple kids, you can relate. Amen? Wow. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. You see, church, joy in Jesus overflows in every aspect of our life, including generosity. So what he says about this particular church, he's like, they're, they're, they're not a wealthy church. Uh, uh, but they are in such love with Jesus, like the, the joy of Him overflows in such a way that they cannot help but be generous. They're not, they're not generous because uh, I rolled into town and told them to. He says that they're generous out of their own free will because Jesus is good. That's what he's saying about this church. But God knows that for so many of us, our hearts are tied to our money. How true is that? God knows that our hearts are, are woven within the dollar bill. 
And so what, what God is after, he says, listen, because uh, he says this in his word, he says, show me your money and I'll, I'll show you where your treasure is. So he's after your money. If he can get your money, then he can get your heart. And he wants your heart. He's not after your money. He's after your heart, church. He wants you to look more like Jesus. But as we grow, as we look more like Jesus, there's a change that will take place with our wallet. Do you believe that, church? As the discipleship process takes hold, as we start to look more like Jesus, it will change our wallet. And here's where we're at. I believe with all my heart that, that money, that finances, is not taught it's not taught within the church because who wants to hear about what I need to do with my money, right? It's, it's not fun. That's not what fills churches. People can't, they don't, they don't look and say, oh, wow, that church is doing a sermon series on money. Can't wait to be there, right? Have you ever said that? No. So we don't teach on money, but the Bible is full of teaching on money. So we as a church, as those that love Jesus, that are motivated by the love of Christ, we need to look and see what the Bible says about money. So if, he, if it changes our hearts and, and we, we're, we're going to have a wallet that's different, this is how it will start. We will then begin to give faithfully. I want you to write that down. Give faithfully. The gospel changes our hearts. We will begin to give faithfully. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to read 5 through 7. That's what Paul says. He says, So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. Uh, but before we read the rest, he's, he's bragging on the Corinthian church. He's like, listen, it was your motivation to give that spurred on generosity in a lot of other churches. You said you're going to give this. I'm just sending these guys in here to make sure that it's ready before I show up. Just to make sure you've done what you said you're going to do. But he says, I want, I want, to, be, I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. That's, that's really important. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart, how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So what Paul is doing here, he's setting up a standard that, that, yeah, that we, we got to give. But again, not out of pressure, not out of guilt, not out of shame. God wants somebody that gives cheerfully. And I will sidestep just for a moment. If you're somebody out there that just, just I ain't ready. I don't want to give. I, I, I'm not there. Don't give. Don't give. God doesn't need your money. God is after your heart. That's what he wants. But if that's you, if that's your mentality, you need to ask, have I been changed by the gospel? Because the love of Christ compels us. If you were here last week, it changes you. But if that's just you this morning, then, then hang on to it. But if you do want to give, we'll, we'll, we'll do kingdom work with it. Right, church? We'll, we will. But if that's you, just hang on to it. God wants a changed heart. But what is he referring to here? The Corinthians were, they were amped up to give and to be generous. But apparently he caught wind that, that, that something was happening. He, he began to, 
to catch wind that they were, they were struggling to, to follow through with their, listen to me, with their commitments. They said they were going to give, but now it's up in the air. Do you ever struggle with commitment? Any of you in here dated a girl for like eight years and you were engaged for three because you just didn't want to commit? Some of you in here are like, man, why are you singling me out like that? We struggle to commit to things, don't we? You're around my house, you'll see 13 unfinished projects at any given time. Any guys can relate? Like, man, we just, we, we struggle to commit. And, and when it talks about uh, uh, money, man, we, we struggle even more. Like, can I really commit that much to anything? Like, will I go broke? Can I make the, the payments? Like, man, we, we struggle with commitment. And Paul knows that about the human heart. He knows that we struggle to commit. But remember, this church says, hey, we're going we're gonna to give and show up, and this gift's going to be ready. But is it? That's what he's wondering. So he's sending guys in. Are you going to follow through with what you say? Paul knows the human heart and how tempted we are to not follow through, especially when it comes to money. 1 Corinthians 16, it's at the end of the first book. Here's what he says to the same church. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1 and 2. He says, now regarding your question about the money being collected. We're going back in time now, church. Now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, which is Sunday, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Paul sets up a procedure for giving. Remember, now we're in, we're in book two, and he's there to collect. This is book one where he says, you've got a question about it. I'm going to teach you on it. He says, at the beginning of each week, pull the money aside because he knows we are tempted. He, he knows like, man, if I say that I'm going to give this amount at this particular portion, hey, life happens. Inflation happens. Grocery goes up. Bills go up. And then before long, what we say we're going to pull aside for the Lord disappears with other things, right? You ever been there? And, and so Paul says, don't, don't let that happen. At the beginning of each week, pull a portion aside so that it's there. You don't know when I'm going to show up. Could be two weeks, could be two years, could be ten years. Pull it aside. That way when I show up, it's ready. Don't, don't give yourselves over to temptation that you'll, you'll gather it when I show up. Because he knows how humans are. But I want you to notice what he says about our giving. I want to phrase it this way. He says, on the first day each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. The Greek renders it this way. One's giving should be in direct proportion to the way one prospers. It should be determined as a matter of principle. You hearing me? As a matter of principle, not something done on impulse. So when Paul was teaching on this procedure, on this giving, he was like, hey, each of you give in proportion to what you have earned. But there should be some system about it. I shouldn't roll up last minute and then you decide, oh, I've got to gather this. No, he says there's some planning, there's some preparation, there's some thought that goes in to your giving. So a question for us this morning. Have you put thought, have you put preparation have you put some, some earnest energy into your giving? Or is it, when I roll up to church, I'll, I'll drop something in? But Paul is saying, let there be a procedure. 
Let there be a system to your giving. Now for him, he says at the beginning of every week, but you may be those that don't get paid every week. Maybe you get paid twice a month. Maybe you're commission-based, and every six months is a big deal. I don't know. But what he's saying is there should be a system of faithful giving for believers. There should be some sort of procedure put in place for your giving. Now here at Holland Chapel, we don't mandate anything, right? Uh, well, we don't. Uh, offering box is always there. Online giving is a great thing, always available. So for you, basically what he's saying, that's left up to you and the Lord. When you give and how much you give. But he is saying there's a procedure and I want you to give faithfully. So this mindset of faithfully is one that is consistent. Like we are consistent givers. We're going to make sure that this is a priority. I'm not going to give on impulse. I'm going to do some planning in my giving. What about a tenth, Luke? Like we've heard, yeah, we've heard forever. Like if we go to church, like a tenth, like I tithe a tenth, tithe tenth, like I give 10% of what I earn. That's a great procedure. That's a great way to give in proportion to how much we've earned. If we give a percentage, then we all give the same, right? But nowhere in the New Testament, I'll blow some of your minds, uh, the pastors, what we did, we knew this sermon series was coming, and we gathered as a group of leaders. We dove into the Word of God for weeks, seeing what the Bible says as a whole about giving. Is there an amount? We, we, went, we went pre-law, but before the law was given by Moses, and we went post-Jesus, and we saw what the Word of God says. And what you'll see is overarching theme within the Word of God is, is a tenth, but it's not mentioned in the New Testament. And you're like, what do I do, Luke? Paul just says it, in proportion to what you've been given, in proportion to what you've earned. And ultimately, that percentage is up to you and the Lord. I will say, 10% is biblical. We see that. We see that Old Testament, nowhere in the New Testament do these teachers refute it. So we almost see that it's a given. What are you given? What are you setting aside? What are you making sure that is pulled out first? For the Lord. Are you given? Are you given faithfully? Ultimately, though, I want to encourage you. The amount, what that check, what that online giving, the amount of cash, whatever it may be, is between you and your Savior. When, ultimately, is between you and your Savior. But there is a procedure that we see in Scripture, and I want to encourage you to make sure that you don't save given for a later date. That it's something that you do consistently and something that you do faithfully. And here's what I want to do. Before we put uh, the graphic on the screen, just hold off, trigger man. Uh, I, I want to set something up. We're going we're to look at some numbers on the screen. Okay, church? What we're going to show on the screen is nothing uh, private. If you attend any church family meeting, you'll see this information. Uh, but the leadership here, we thought, man, we're, we're teaching on giving. Now, remember, church, nothing that we do is to guilt you or shame you. We are showing you the condition of Holland Chapel right now so that hopefully you'll grow in the image of Christ and you'll step into what Jesus has asked you to do. You'll grow in the image of Christ. So go ahead, throw the image on the screen. We're going to look at some of these numbers. Don't jump ahead too much. Right here, you'll see that we have 336 attending units. What we mean by that is households, ultimately. 336 households. Households. Of those 336, 223 
are giving. Now for the attending units, I want to speak to that. That's not just members, because here at Holland Chapel, we've got a lot of people that lean into what we do here, and they're here every week. Membership may be something that, that freaks you out, or you've just not said yes to it yet, but we include you in what goes on here at Holland Chapel. So that's what that number represents. 336 faithful attending households, but only 223 are faithful givers, or givers at all. So that is roughly 34% of our church are non-contributors financially. You ask any pastor if you could preach a sermon that would get after 34, 35% of the congregation, you'd say, yeah, I'll preach that message. This is where we're at, church. Not to shame you, but to teach you. Ultimately, over here on the right, our current budget is $1.2 million. Can we clap for that right now? Like, that's good. That's good. Not shaming that number at all. Not shaming it at all. A lot of churches would love to have half of that. It's a wonderful budget. We're able to do a lot of things in Jesus' name. Uh, but of that number, of the, uh, of the giving units, if you do the math, we are giving like our households make an average of $36,000 a year. Now, we did the research for you. The average household in Saline County averages $64,000. A year. So you take our budget amount, 1.2, you do the math, we're giving like we make $36,000 a year as a household. So you can see there, church, that there is, there's some room there. There's some room for people to step in to faithful financial giving. This is not to uh, alarm you, to, to shame you, this is just where we're at. There's some things to celebrate there, 1.2, but there's some room there for us to grow in the image of Christ, church. To step into what he's asked us to do. You can pull the image off the screen. So I want to encourage you. And I want to ask you. Are you? Big question. So I want you to look at me. Some of you are looking at the numbers and you're like, oh, I don't know what to think about that. Just look at me. Are you, are you giving faithfully? And if the answer is no, I want you to ask yourself why. I want you to ask yourself why. And just have a, an honest heart check moment, not to guilt, not to shame, but why? What's in the way? What's in the way? Is it just the fact that you've not been taught? Listen, uh, I don't know that I would give if I've not been taught. I grew up in a house where I saw my parents write a check every Sunday. That's what I saw. You may be a new Christian, new to church. You've never seen that. This is not to shame you. This is to teach you that, that God has something for you in your giving. He has something for you. So it's not to make you feel bad, but, but where are we at? Are, are we giving? Are we stepping into faithful financial giving? So the next thing I want you to write down is that we need to give generously. A heart that's changed by the gospel will be a heart that not only meets, let's just call that the standard, the, the requirement, that, that faithful financial giving, but it'll be a heart that steps into generous Giving. What do I mean by that? Above and beyond. Well, what I mean by generous giving is not just what is expected or required out of me by the Lord, but man, I'm going to go. I'm going to go above and beyond. I, I'm going to give uh, to uh, special uh, uh, missions, special needs that I know of. I'm going to be a, that great neighbor that steps in in dark times for people. I, I'm going to. I'm going to take on an extra compassion international kid. I'm going to do extra with my money. I'm going to step into that generous form of giving. Man, I'm going to let 
God have it all. 2 Corinthians 8, 2 and 3. Let's read this again. They are being tested by many troubles. I'm not saying that we are the church he's talking about. But you may think, man, this guy standing up here has no idea the financial times in which we're living. Trust me, church. I know your pastors earn a living too, and we have bills. We have kids to, to feed. We have, we have obligations financially. Like, I know where we're all at. I, I know how we are feeling right now. They are being tested by many troubles. They are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy. Are you filled with the joy that comes in Christ this morning, church? Which has overflowed. Overflowed. Not standard. Overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They did it of their own free will. Above and beyond giving. Above and beyond. So the big question, does the joy in Christ overflow in your heart and your wallet? I want to share a, uh, a story with you of a wealthy business owner. I was told not to share his name, okay? So you think, well, you're just making the story up. I'm not making the story up. I just can't share his name. He's a wealthy business owner out of the Memphis area. Um, think of any Fortune 500 company that comes to your mind, and he does business with them. Like a, a very, very wealthy man who is in love with the Lord. And so what he's done with his finances is he said, hey, uh, I, I know the standard, 10%. Um, I'm going to give 90 to the Lord, and I'm going to live on 10. You're like, well, Luke, that would be great if we were all millionaires, right? Like, <laughs> I would love to do that. Me too. I would love to do that. Man, live on 10, give 90 away in Jesus' name. That'd be awesome. He's very wealthy, and that's what he decided to do with his money, to step into faithful generosity, giving millions away in Jesus' name and living on 10. But what if we had maybe the same mindset with whatever income that we have? And I'm not saying you live on 10% of what you got. But I'm saying, what, what if we managed our life, what if we managed our finances in such a way that we could live generously? What, what if we set up the structure of our home? What if we set up the structure of our life that, that 10 would, would not be the maximum that we give, but would only be the platform in which all other giving takes off? Wouldn't that be incredible? To step into this rich generosity where we are a blessing to other people because we've done what we needed to do to make sure that we could be a blessing. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? Rich generosity, this stepping into this above and beyond mindset. Are we there? Are we there? We are blessed here in America. Would you say amen to that? If you woke up this morning in America, you rank in the top 10% of global wealth. We've been blessed. Do you feel blessed? Whether you have a little by American standards or a lot, you're blessed. You are blessed. Will you 
enjoy the blessing of being a blessing in your generosity. But I want to encourage you, your level, listen to me, listen to me right now, your level of generosity is not determined by your income. Did you hear that? Your level of generosity is not determined by your income. It's your heart. It's your heart. Be faithful and be generous with a little, and we'll make this statement, and watch God bless you in more ways than one. Watch what he'll do in your life. As Paul says in the book of Acts, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? You remember Christmas morning with those kids? Just the blessing of giving? As a parent now, I really see that. I don't care what I get. I don't have to get anything. I just want to be a blessing. I want to give. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. This is big for us to remember. I want you to take a highlighter. I want you to underline this one. For God is the one who provides seed. For the farmer. It's all his church. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources, then produce a great, listen to me, harvest of generosity in your wallet? No, in you. We don't give to see how much financial blessing the Lord can throw back at us. We, we give generously so that the Lord can do a mighty work in our heart and then look how He will change your life. He'll change your life. You may give away and never get that money back. Are you okay with that? But, but watch the, the harvest that will be reaped in your soul, in your heart. You'll look more like Jesus, church. Isn't that what we're after? We'll look more like our generous God. So trust God with your financial generosity, and He will surely grow you into the image of His Son. He'll make you look more like Jesus. Trust Him with your money. The next thing that I want you to write down is that we give sacrificially. When the gospel grabs a hold of our heart, we give sacrificially. So it's this idea of financial stewardship. We should handle our finances in such a way Listen to me, this is big. You hanging on right now? We handle our finances in such a way that we sacrifice other things so that God comes first. We sacrifice other things, other, other activities, other forms of living so that we can give to the Lord. Sacrificial living. Mark chapter 12. We're going to kick off in verse 41. This is a fantastic story. Mark 12, 41. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. See, giving has always been a thing in the temple. And watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who were making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Here is an example of sacrificial giving. 
Now, if you look at Paul's instructions, Paul is not saying to give to, to the point in which you suffer. He says, give to the point in which you feel led. That's what Paul teaches. But here Jesus is making the demonstration. He was like, they may be very rich, but they're being a little stingy. She's really poor, but she is being very generous. Listen to me. I, 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 know, I know people that are poor by, wealthy, uh, by American standards who are incredibly generous people. They'll give you everything. And I know some very wealthy people who are very stingy. Jesus said she gave more than all these others because she gave everything she had. She gave sacrificially. She trusted the Lord in her giving. She gave sacrificially. When we give, ask yourself the question, is it really a sacrifice? When we give, is it really a sacrifice? 2 Samuel 24, 24. I believe this is King David. He says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. I will not offer up anything to Him that doesn't cost me something. That's how in love he was with the Lord. When I make an offering, when I make a, a, a generous gift, it, it's going to be a sacrifice. Other things are going to have to be pushed aside. That's what King David was saying. I, I'm not going to offer something to him that doesn't cost me something. Sacrificial giving. But do we handle our finances in such a way that we sacrifice all other things to have enough to give to the Lord? Or is it the other way around? What do I mean by that? Do we overextend ourselves to buy cars that we can't afford to impress people we don't like? You ever heard that? Do we live in houses with way too much square footage so we can live in that neighborhood and we can't make the mortgage? Do we go on vacations that, that, that far uh, outpace our income? Do we do, we do this? Do we do that? Do, do, we, do we do all these things and then at the end of the month, we'll say, I've, I've paid for this, I've paid for this, I've paid all the bills, I've paid for the, I'm going to be, I'm, this, is, this is stout, I've paid for the unnecessary things, and then at the end of it, I'll say what I have left for the Lord. Is that how we handle our money? Or is it the other way? I'm going to give to the Lord's what's His anyway first. And then I'm going to set my life, I'm going to set my budget, I'm going to set my finances to where I live within my means so that I can be a generous person. Is that how we handle our money? But if we've not been taught on financial stewardship, we've not been taught on what the Bible say, says about giving, we could be very tempted with what the world has to offer. And we outkick our coverage, so to speak. And month to month, we are people struggling to make ends meet because we're living outside of our means. And ultimately, we have to pay for all the bills that are coming in and we're not giving to the Lord. Are you giving sacrificially? Do you structure your life and your finances so that when you give to the Lord, it's a sacrifice? You're having to make steps to make sure that you're giving. Or is it, I'll give what I got when I got it. The uh, famous, beloved pastor, Pastor Nick Calloway, says this. Give to God what is right, not what is left. Woo! 
Woo, Pastor Nick. Give to God what is right, not what is left. Are you giving sacrificially? Remember, for God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer. It's all His. Anyway, are you living sacrificially so that you can give sacrificially? I want to put another sermon graphic on the screen because we just love these, don't we, church? Go ahead, put, put it up there. Um, so I've, I've done some things. I've changed the way this has, this has been written. Instead of 336 attending units, we changed it to 336 giving units. That's just every heart that is a part of Holland Chapel steps in to generosity, steps into faithful, generous, sacrificial giving. And we are giving off of what the Saline County median income is of 64000 Church, this would be our budget of $2.1 million. That's if every household gave 10% of the median income of 64000 that's an awesome number, isn't it, church? It's incredible. What, what, could, we, what could we do with a, a budget that jumped up over close to $1 million? What, what could we do? Go ahead and just give me the blank generosity slide. I don't want you to be too distracted by that. Listen, I, I'm not talking budget. Listen to me, church. For the sake of budget. I, I'm not preaching budget so that we can go around and be like, man... Look at Holland Chapel's budget. It's incredible. That's foolish. I'm not, I'm not talking about budget for the sake of budget. I'm talking about budget increase for kingdom increase. Are you with me? I'm talking about an increase in giving so that we can do more for the kingdom of God. We can do more, church. The gospel can go further. We can have greater impact for Jesus with a budget that's on the rise. But what could we do? Can we, can we talk dream scenario for a little bit? What could we do with that budget? What, what could we do if every family stepped in to financial giving? With a $2.1 million budget, listen to me, allotting the same percentage to missions, which is 15% of our budget, if we allot the same percentage of a $2.1 million budget, we could increase our giving to missions by $142,000. We could increase, that's with the same percentage, we could increase our giving to missions by almost $150,000. Listen to this one. Our budget for Holland Chapel Student Ministry has increased, listen to this, less than $1,000 since 2013. We've not increased student ministry budget by over $1,000 since 2013. The average attendance for students in 2013 was 68. Currently, gathered in here on Wednesday nights, over 150 students. Yeah, that's great. It's awesome. So, numerically, what is that? I'm bad at math. It's more than doubled. It's more than doubled. And our budget's not even gone up $1,000. Allotting the same percentage, look at this number on the screen, we could increase budget for students by $17,000. Wouldn't you love our students to receive that and see what the Lord could do? Listen to this one. Kids ministry 
is ultimately about 2% of our budget. Are you thankful for HC Kids? Let me hear something. Are you thankful? Right now, in the New Believers class, there are 11 children signed up. That means 11 kids have just placed their faith in Jesus. The gospel parents, for one, you're doing a great job, but the gospel is being taught over there, and kids are responding. Roughly 2% of our budget is kids' ministry. If we raised it to 3% on this $2.1 million budget, it could increase to $39,000 for HC Kids. Is that a worthy cause, church? Very much so. So you see, uh, today I want to encourage you in giving. Because it can, do, it can do a lot of wonderful things if you step into financial generosity. Not just for the budget, but remember what the Word of God says, in, in you. In you. So let's, let's put up that, that last line. I think it has a question mark. What else could we do? Do you love church fellowships? This is coming from Pastor Nick. Do you love church fellowships? May you just love gathering. It costs a lot of money to feed y'all. We could do a lot more. We could gather together. We could share in fellowship. We could know each other's names. But I want you to look around. Uh, we, have, we have multiple services where this room's full. We have outgrown the space of this facility. We've plumb outgrown it, church. Have you walked into the kids' area and seen what we've attempted to do through all these years to make it what it needs to be? But it can be a whole lot more. If you missed the last family meeting, some of you, I'm about to, I'm about to make your day. If you missed the last family meeting, which a lot of you did because there's about 50 people in here, but a lot of you did. If you missed the last family meeting, we as a church have, have put together a building team. It's time to move forward with a new facility. Are you excited, Holland Chapel? It's time. It's time. But if you've built a doghouse here lately, you know that building is expensive. It's expensive. It's going to take money, church. There's no way around it. It takes money to send missionaries around the world. It takes money to build a new HC Kids ministry wing. We really need that. It takes money. What could we do? What could we do as a church if we stepped into faithful giving, consistent giving? What could we do as a church if we stepped into generous giving above and beyond? What could we do as a church if we lived sacrificially so that we could give? What could we do? Question marks up there. What could we do? Giving is a tough one. I know today for some of you, you enjoyed this. You like numbers, you might be an accountant, and you're like, that's great, that's fun. Some of you may leave here and go, oh, that was a tough one to process. For me, it's a tough one to process. So let me pray for us as a church. And let us pray together as a church that God would change our hearts through the generous gospel of Jesus. Let me pray. God, we love you. Thank you for being good. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gospel. And God, I lift up my precious church, Holland Chapel, to you this morning. Throughout the generations, Holland Chapel has been generous. Stepped into giving 
year after year after year after year so that the gospel could go forward. But we also know, Lord, there, there's always more. There's always more that we could do in every aspect of our lives. So help us as a church to step in to financial generosity. We do this not out of guilt, out of shame. We do this because our hearts have been changed by the gospel of Jesus. And it's his love for us that motivates us, that compels us, that changes our lives. And ultimately, our wallets. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son Jesus to down a cross so that if we place our faith in him, we could have eternal life with you. Thank you for Jesus. We ask everything in his precious name. Amen.